0: Isle of Man government has this week launched a new Manx language strategy which includes an ambitious target of having 5,000 Manx speakers by 2032. Perspective this week talks to pupils, teachers, children, parents, language leaders and politicians about the new strategy. And the ambitious target which seeks to double the number of speakers in 10 years. So does government investment in our indigenous language represent value for money? I spoke to Vega directors Paul Salmon, Ralph Peak and Adrian Kane. What are the key aspects for the development over the next uh, five years that uh, Mungevega is focused on? I think really the um,
1: Mungevega wants to be focusing on the, the language, obviously, and how we can then support people uh, learning the language and how they can actually use the language. So it's really important to not only get the, the students the help, but also the families and and their friends as well. So. We want to sort of broaden that out in the future and, and offer support and encourage people to use the
0: language more. And, and specifically, what is it that Vega does for for the uninitiated? I mean, Vega means the little people or themselves. What what actually is the purpose of the organisation? Well,
1: the purpose of the organisation is to promote the Manx language. But for the last twenty years, it's it's um, really ran the Bunskol, uh school here. The department's now taken over the running of that, but we've still got the the nurseries. Um, here at St John's um, and it's really that promotion and how we can actually start working together there's a number of charities here on the island and we'd actually like to think that we can come together and, and work together um, as Manx language charities
0: And of course uh, and you mentioned the Bunskull, uh, the Bunskull Gilgak which is the Manx language school and uh, your children actually attended this school
1: Absolutely, as the three boys did, um, which was great. We found that really excellent, really, that they actually had a, a language, um, a second language, uh, everything was taught in that second language, and, and our eldest son actually took his uh, GCSE, Manx exam, at, at U- University College of Man, as it was then, so you actually had to, to go at night school to take that, but it was great, really, to have the 12-year-old uh, pass a GCSE.
0: Paul Salmon you're also a, a director of uh, Vega and uh, member of the Crunach committee and the 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 founder and sole trader of the Tantaran Ramsey Manx group uh,
2: Tantaran Ramsey Manx group yes he gets gets people together in in Ramsey in the north to to uh, speak manx and learn manx um indeed within Crunach and Crunach has always been set up to in, uh, encourage music and dance and the manx language and it's been going a long time now, over 40 years, Um, and that was one of the key things. And it interacts with uh, the other Celtic countries, and their language is important to them, it's very important to us too. So we've got a kind of international dimension as well. That's carried on very successfully through the Bunskol interacting with uh, other countries too.
0: Your your engagement and involvement with Vega comes in part, at least, because
2: uh, your son attended the Bunskol Gilgah. He did indeed. Um, We moved to the island just about the time that he was starting school, and although uh, I'd spoken to him in Manx uh, when he was a small child, uh, he went to the Bunskol, he picked up Manx really quickly, he really loved the school, uh, and it's really developed him as a person. Uh, and he, 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 even though he's in his twenties now, he still regularly speaks Manx with people. He did his A level. He was at Ramsey Grammar School. He t- he's done his A level as well in Manx. So um, yeah, um, I've seen it right the way through. And in fact, the other children from the north of the island that came to the school at the same time as as the same time as he did are also still. Have that contact with Manx, yeah.
0: As well as this, you you run the Tantaran uh, Ramsey Manx group.
2: Um, I mean, wh- why why are you so interested in the language? From a personal perspective, it's been around, and I've I've, I've been learning the language for I've learning the language for thirty five years or more. So, uh, and I think it's really important for the island. It's part of it's part of the island, part of the culture. And Cheshire Gilgach is the the uh Chenyagan uh, cheer which is without without a language you haven 't got a, a proper country um and, and and I strongly believe that, and other people do and uh, i don 't think people in general realize quite how many people around the island do speak a little bit of Manx or are involved with Manx. Tantaran is a way of encouraging that, and it uh, works with the other Manx groups in the north of the island um, to encourage. Opportunity for Manx, and that's
0: great. And presumably,
2: new new lessons will be starting up in September. Oh, absolutely, we'll be starting a new set of lessons in September, and I hope to extend the range of uh, uh, of lessons that we can do. Adrian Kane, uh, you're you're also a parent of of a
0: child at the Bun School, or a former former pupil at the Bun School, as well as now being a teacher at the Bun School. How does that all work? Well, very well, I hope. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I, my son is now at QE2. He, you know, we still speak Manx together at home, you know, so um, I live a lot of my life through Manx because obviously he teaches through Manx and then, you know, we continue to um, talk Manx at home. So it's just something very natural to him and natural to us, really. Um, But, yeah, I, you know, teaching at the Bunskal is, is, um, well, I was talking to a linguist in Edinburgh not so long ago and she said, oh, it's just... You've got to see um, learning through another language as a, a gift, really, and that that's it, whatever the pros and cons, whatever you might think of it, it is a gift, and I think the kids here do have a gift, really. Um, it is something which is unique and special, and, and the kids realise that, I think, and um, they get introduced to things that children who go through a sort of an English medium education won't. They get it, the whole gamut of normal stuff. We've got some really good... Sp- and we have had you know, really good sports people through this school. Um, some of them have got parents um, on the committee of Mondeveder, etc. So there's been some brilliant sports people through the school, there's brilliant linguists through the school, brilliant um, musicians through the school and writers and stuff and just ordinary kids as well who've all got the the one thing in common and that they're fluent in Manx real. And I think that gives a, a really great... Um, dimension to their lives, really.
0: And, and of course, the Bundeskull has got quite a, a world reputation uh, for, for what it has achieved because, effectively, for the first time in 150 years, Manx is now the, the, the language of tuition uh, in a school. Um, so, you know, a 150-year gap, and uh, it's doing fantastic stuff uh, and also uh, managed to persuade UNESCO, of all things, to, to actually change... Uh, the, the language category because it was describing Manx as extinct, um, whilst the children were actually speaking Manx,
3: yeah, yeah, it's a number of years ago now, isn't it, really? Um, yeah, you know, the Bunskull is uh, it's an immersion school. We do loads of stuff with other schools, um, like in Ireland. We've got some good links with schools in Ireland and Wales now. we have talking to some Breton musicians are here, um, today about doing a, a link with a uh, you know a Breton school and um, so we have a quite a global perspective I think um and I think part of the reason we do is because we learn things through you know Manx Gaelic so the kids are intellectually aware of language and the, uh, you know bec- about going between English and Manx and uh, that is uh, only good I think to, for their development of language whether it be English um you always know, said like if you're if you, you know, I know some parents might think, oh, you know, what will happen to quality of their English if they learn things through this uh, medium of Manx? I always sort of said, you know, look, if you're really worried about the quality of the English, um, if that's a big concern to you, then you should definitely send your kid here. Because uh, ironically, learning through another language does just make you sort of, um, it does things to the brain, I think, which makes you ling- linguistically articulate in Manx and English, really. It benefits. It's just that, you know, it's, it's just that sort of um, additional factor, really, um, which are the, you know, these are the only kids in the other man who learn everything through another language.
0: And, and, of course, it's not a unique thing in the world, uh, bilingualism or even trilingualism. Uh, what is uh, unusual is the situation in our part of the world where so few
3: people speak a second language. Yeah, monolingualism can be cured. As they say, you know, um, yeah, I, there's no doubt about it. I think the kids here are more interested in language, full stop, and and it definitely helps them go on to take up other languages, not because they're necessarily better at other languages, but I just think they're not intimidated by language. Um, so I would say if you want your child to be, you know, to talk French or take up French at secondary school, you probably best bet is get them into a manx immersion school because they're going to be interested in language, and um, they're go- they're not going to be intimidated by doing another language. And um, we do several other languages here at various stages. You know, teaching the kids some Irish and Welsh, and um, other other languages, so um, they're not intimidated by language. Yeah. If if
0: you had a, a, a bottomless pit of money, um, what would the top? two things I won't, I won't i was going to say top three but we'll go with the top two things that you would hope that the strategy will be able to deliver over the course of the next five to ten years perhaps if i start with uh, ralph on that i think what um
1: you want is actually more students here uh, raise awareness more students here but in the future another school i think a second school would be great
2: paul uh top top two things my thing is is that, that We've developed um, uh, the pos and Cloy, the, the group, the uh, language groups, are mums and tots or parents and tots, um, and I think they're so important because learning learning language at an early age is great. It really gets you started, uh, and the, the strategy for increasing the number of um, pos and Cloys around the island um, is really important. Um, and the second thing is is, is being able to support parents or grandparents or or the community to support those children in their in their understanding of manx so i think those are two of the two of the things in the strategy that that look really good and do you, do you think that government generally um
0: understands the, the potential benefits uh, from having our own uh, native uh, language our own indigenous language i, I know in in other countries like, uh, obviously, Wales, Scotland and Ireland, the, the, the governments there certainly do promote and uh, get the whole economic benefits of their indigenous languages.
2: Yeah, I, I think I don't think we do uh, appreciate quite how valuable it is in in selling the Isle of Man as it, you know, as a, as a, as a country, as a a developed um, country, and uh, you know, and what it can do, it gives a real character, real shows its individuality. Um, I, I, I'm going to the Welsh Estethic this year, uh, and that really shows how strong it is. And if you look, if you look, for example, at the BBC and their um, presenters of various things, news presenters or program presenters. Um, if you dig down, there's an awful lot of those that are Welsh speakers because they've got that that bilingualism, which carries forward into into good presentation and good understanding of what's going on. Uh, and I, I think that's a that's a really important thing. And I think that's what we could have more of here.
0: Adrian Cain, I've left you, I've given you a bit of a chance to think of of, of the top two things that you would hope would be delivered in the next five to 10 years. Well, you were saying, do people
3: get it? I was, um, number of people, I always remember years gone by, people asking me, what's the point of Manx? and um, my stock response was, well, what's the point of the Isle of Man, really? You know, the Isle of Man has a lot to offer, could have a lot to offer, and part of that is a cultural identity, really. I think it is crucial to, um, identifying this place as different, unique, and something special. But on the... On the the, the once, yeah, Bunskull in Douglas, I'll add a bit more to that, um, I think would be a a big move um, or some kind of facility in Douglas. Again, I agree with um, Paul saying a network of Pos and Cloyd sort of um, feeding into a larger, what I'd really like is a sort of real network, a community-based organisation which brings together young children, their parents, the teachers, both teachers of young children, teachers of children a bit older, who can therefore really create a, a sort of continuity from early years through to children growing up into becoming adults, and and a sense that that almost is difficult to put a you know a finger on it, but a real sense that everybody's working together to achieve that and that there's a real community vibe to that um, involvement in the language and the involvement of parents and young children in the language. And you mentioned specifically Douglas there.
0: I mean, the, the latest uh, census, the uh, the 2021 census showed, I think it was another it was another 20, 20 to 25% increase in the number of people who uh, spoke Manx. Um, but what that, also mm-hmm. demonstrates is a, a, a geographical split which uh, certainly in where we are today in St John's St John's and the west seems to have a higher proportion of, of Manx speakers whereas the Douglas sort of Onkin Braddon area over the past two censuses there's been a, a, a relatively small uh, proportion of, of Manx speakers uh, what, what, what's the reason behind that do you think?
3: Well I think the other man's changing a lot and quickly and the reality is we we need to think what the language can offer to people who move to the Isle of Man, predominantly from England, um, who move to estates, you know, maybe like estates on the outskirts of Balasal or whatever. If they move here you know, with no connection to the island, why would the language be of any interest to them, really? Um, do they just see it as something Well, it's for the old Manxies and stuff like that, um, that it's nothing to do with them and that... Their, you know, their life is basically living in Douglas, working in Douglas, accessing UK news through the BBC, reading the Daily Mail and all, all this sort of stuff. And um, I, I do think there is challenges for the Isle of Man if it's, um, you know, and for us, if if we're not to be sort of pigeonholed, really, as um, something, you know, strange and archaic and ancient stuck out in the middle appeal really but um but and one way of articulate that is through bilingualism really there's, there's no reason why what we're doing is, you know there's parents here on or, or manx or anything like that my wife's not manx um and you know so but what all the parents do have here in common is a belief in bilingualism and the knowledge we mentioned before that la- the the um, to access a language at an early stage is a gift, really, and so it'd be great. You know, why can't we have you know children from Polish, Ukrainian, English, you know, Filipino, um, as well as Manx backgrounds here? That in some sense, that's part of the ambition for me.
2: The strategy, um, the 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 scratch strategy does include um, spreading uh, Manx and the opportunity for children to learn Manx. In all the other schools um outside uh outside um, the bun um through the peripatetic manx team uh, and and that is really important because um children gain an awareness of of that distinction of you know if they particularly if their family's coming in uh, an understanding of um what what it means what it means to be manx what it means to live in the Isle of man um and that opportunity to learn manx uh, within those schools is is really good um it also gives them the opportunity to um work well in with um with um music and and dance and those folk folk activities um it gives them the opportunity to participate in that and uh and 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 that gives a broader understanding of, of where the Isle of man's coming from and where it should be going to, perhaps the strategy the, the strategy has got covers a lot of different areas. Um, and uh, Munchevega, as well as uh, focusing on the on the um, Pod and Cloy, uh, the the nurseries and the, and the Bunskol, also is looking to pr- promote resources and work on promoting the source of resources that will support that kind of la- of uh, of teaching and understanding. And to go out into the adult community as well, and and groups such as um, Tantaran um, uh, also get the opportunity to promote material for adult learning, um, giving people the opportunity in the evenings to learn a bit of banks and understand what's going on.
0: And a final question then, back to the chair, uh, Ralph Peake. does Manx have a as vibrant a future as it's had for the last 60 years? I mean, 1961, we had uh, the low point for the language in terms of recorded numbers of speakers, just 161 speakers. By uh, 2021 census, 60 years later, we were up to 2,223 speakers, which is phenomenal growth, really. Um, do you think that level of growth is going to be able to continue in the future?
1: Yeah, I, I think the future's strong, actually. I think when I went to school in, in Laxey Primary School is it's, it's not something you're aware of, Manx language. And growing up in Laxey, there it, it was you know, people just didn't refer to it at all. So it's great to see it. And, and yourself and lots of other people put so much time and effort in over you know 20 years ago to really put Manx language now aware, people are aware of it now. And what we can do is build on that. We've got so, a good foundation here, we've got one school. As Adrian said, it'd be great to get one in in Douglas as well. But um, that's really, I think, a strong future, good foundations now, and let's build on that.
0: Mary, Matilda, Kinley and Frank all attended the Bunskol Gilgach, the Manx language school. They're now at QE2 Secondary School in Peel. So all four of you have been to the Bunskol Gilgach. What were your experiences at the Oh,
4: It was amazing. We learnt a lot of Manx from the very beginning in reception all the way up to year six when we were leaving and it was just amazing to know all of th- that this language has just been hidden from
5: everyone else and we're the ones who know about it and um, well because it was a very small school I think uh, everybody knew each other and it was a very good community and everybody was friends were friends with each other Mary. We got to explore other Gaelic languages.
6: For example, we went to Ireland. Well, some of us went to Ireland, and we got to explore their Gaelic language
7: as well.
0: Uh, Frank,
7: I think. Well, our experiences—it kind of felt like we had our own secret language, you know? Because uh, obviously, pretty much only the only people that our age who knew it were people who were going to that school. And I think also the, the teachers managed to create a way of, like, making it almost quite enjoyable and without just you know kind of oh this word means this this one means this kind of like they in- integrated it into the education system
5: really well
0: and do you all still use Manx
5: yes we speak it all the time actually yeah and we uh, we do history and well we actually now we do geography and re, R-E through Manx so that keeps our Manx up Mary. Yeah,
6: um, we use Manx quite a lot. Uh, sometimes when we want, don't want people to hear what we're saying because we're, learn- uh, we're talking about something quite personal. I agree with Mary, but
4: also it's it's kind of sad to know that if we o- we're the only people who speak Manx, and it would be nice if everyone could kind of at least know a little bit and know what we're talking about at the same time.
7: Yeah, um, what kind of, what she said to be honest. <laughs> and
0: uh, I suppose. You, we heard earlier um, at the launch that um actually when i was growing up there was hardly anybody that speaks manx and now there's loads of you isn't there
4: yeah there are quite there are quite a lot of us i think the really nice thing would be if we could get a lot more children like a lot more people involved especially young children so they can know the language throughout their life and pass it on to if they have children or their friends or whoever
0: And and you, well, I imagine you do, Frank, because I know your your family. But uh, there must be lots of people that you meet outside of school that you can speak Manx to.
7: Yeah, it is kind. It is cool being able to bump into someone and be just be able to, you know, have a conversation in a whole different language. You know, and I think that's kind of one of the reasons why we're trying to get it back on its feet because it's just, it's just. I don't know, it just feels, you know, really nice to be able to just speak to people naturally in in like, you know, in in that kind of way, yeah.
0: Yourself, Kinley, I mean, uh, do you have lots of people outside of school that you manage to speak a bit bit of Manx to?
5: Yeah, mainly my friends um, in Peel, because actually today we go, um, I go to Matilda's house after school and we do a Dungeons and Dragons club and we speak a bit of Manx there as well.
0: Very. Uh, Valulot, Gilgrish, the heir, do you speak Manx to your dad?
5: Cues uh, to, do and like sometimes, but
6: I usually speak to my sister as well, so I would ask her for a rubber sometimes when I'm drawing, or I can just speak to her in front of her, in front of my parents or my grandparents without them really knowing what we're saying.
0: And is that, is that one of the greatest attractions of uh, Manx? And, and in that case, actually, would you prefer it if fewer people learned Manx and it was kept as your own secret language?
6: No, I prefer if loads of people speak Manx, but I think my parents really love it when they see me and my sister speaking Manx together because they know that this is working, like, they can just tell that the Manx language is growing.
0: Marlene Masker, MLC, was representing the Department of Education, Sport and Culture and Culture Vanan. Talking to Marlene Masker, in in this case deputising for the Minister and uh, of Department of Education, and we're here at the launch of the Max Language Strategy. Um, why is Culture Van and the Department of Education and others why, why have they come together to make a strategy?
8: I think it's similar to the arts and, and cultural strategy, which is a joint strategy between Culture Van and Anneman Arts Council you gain you gained from uh, the energy from that joined up thinking and the interrelationship across government and across our, our communities is um, it's spreading now, and I think that's really healthy so this language strategy initiative has been growing uh, and emerging over a period of time and um, I think it has gained momentum and recognition and impetus because of that joint working. I should also say I'm here today um, deputising for the chair of Culture Van. Both he and the minister weren't able to come and join us, but really wanted to be here. But I'm very proud to, to be here and, and launch the, this very important initiative. Yeah.
0: You don't speak much Manx. I mean, you obviously speak a little bit, but uh, you're well known as a singer uh, in in the Manx language.
8: Yes, and in fact, um, when I think back, I remember Mona Douglas asking me to go and sing in Brittany. And uh, I sometimes think, if only I had gone then, but I was singing for a summer season with Man in Folk. And if I'd gone then, I think I would be uh, probably an accomplished speaker because she offered to teach me and I had to balance it up singing at the Beach Hotel and the Majestic or do I go to Brittany but I, unfortunately I didn't go but it's amazing the language singing the language and um, it does have a certain energy and there's something quite unique about it. And, you know, others do it much better than me. But as you'll recognise, it does lend itself to to music uh, and vocalising. And uh, and that's obviously in the past, that's how tales and folklore has been passed down through poetry and the spoken word and the song uh, matters that we, we can reiterate and I'm very proud to be able to do that and it's amazing how your brain just clicks in and you can remember a song or a poem whereas Manx I find quite tricky.
0: Manx really was was barely considered in uh, you know when we were young. Generally speaking most people who grew up in the 50s, 60s and probably 70s had very little access to the language but there's been a fundamental shift since then hasn't there?
8: Yes, and I think I shared with the children, I can remember when I was young, which is a long time ago, in the 50s, but my dad was from the north, he was one of nine children, but at that time, the language really, it was almost looked down upon because of um, the influx of, of new residents, you know, from all over the place, but the language, I think, was seen to be of the almost another class um and even the island man's history i remember an orange history book the history of the island man and you'd open it up and it was the most unimaginative material that you can that you could hope to to, to have to engage with but um the resurgence and as again i said you know i can remember going to my best friend's house the Crans, um, they lived above the bank in ramsey and Charles Cran was one of the pioneers that helped save the language from extinction. And, of course, Constance Radcliffe taught at the grammar school, and she did all that research with her husband, Bill. And um, they saw, thank goodness, they saw the value of the language in terms of our culture and heritage and potential. Um, and if they had not actually turned or steered people to turn a bit of a bend in the road there... Um, We wouldn't be sitting here today on this amazing day where this language strategy has been launched. Does Tinwell get this?
0: I know Chris Thomas pushed particularly to get the Isle of Man to sign up to part three of the Uh, European uh, Treaty on Regional and Minority Languages. Um, But do you think members of Timbald really understand much about the language? Uh, Is is it a a concern or an interest of of many or or is it just seen as one of those things that we kind of have to do but not not a great interest in
8: it? No, I'm actually heartened to say, um, I know, Mr President, Lawrence Skelly, June Watterson, Mr. Speaker, and now with the new intake, there is a real interest in the language and a drive to support it and engage. And uh, uh, Ruth Kegengel came in and, uh, with with yourself and Joe Collister and did just a lunchtime session explaining the merits and and the richness and the advantages of being able to use the language just in in kind of everyday conversation maybe, but particularly if we could start to use certain terms and phrases in Timwald, that was so welcomed, especially by younger members of, of, of the, the parliament and, uh, and old, like myself and some of my colleagues. Um, but I've witnessed it in increasing and improving in the engagement and people getting more confident because the more you use it, the better it gets. If you don't, you'll lose it. And uh, so I'm really hopeful that this will become even more uh, obvious to the listener. And the bishop uh, always says uh, the blessing in Manx. We He's very good at his languages. Um, I think the governor is also engaged with the language and really quite enthusiastic about learning the language um, with all his lang- linguistic skills so I think um, this again today is a red letter day for the language strategy and I, I see this as just the beginning of the next phase and to see so many of our young people here speaking so eloquently in both English and Max and being confident and having that multifaceted um, approach and Again, their early years development, I think, has been enhanced by not just the language, but the Manx culture and music as well. Because, as I said, as we've discussed, music and and the song and spoken word can add such an awful lot to the early cognitive development of a young person's mind and brain so i think it's just the beginning
0: ruth kegan gel is the manx language officer for culture vannon so what does she think
9: absolutely we've been working hard together as a team in jeben to make this come together and it's really exciting to have the launch of the strategy today and it marks lots of exciting plans for the future
0: and why do you, why do we need a strategy
9: It's a really good thing to have a strategy where you look at other countries as well who have minority languages to make sure that we're all working together to avoid things like duplication um, because you don't want, say, for example, five translations of the same book. So we all speak to each other and share what we're planning and share what we're hoping to achieve to make sure that we can work together for the language in the most efficient way possible. Because, of course, you know, the language is, you know, Manx is doing really well. It, there's an upsurge of interest in it, but we still have to pool our resources together to ensure that we're doing what we best can for the language, yeah, to move it forward.
0: Obviously, Jiban is behind this, uh, but uh, how is it formed? What, what What's it made up of?
9: Jiban is a network of language organisations who work professionally for the language. So that means we've got different people. and We're not those people aren't representing themselves as individuals; they're actually representing the organisations for which they work. So, um, organisations include um, DESK, so different people who are working in the Department of Education, Sports and Culture, and we've got Culture vannon and um, Manx National Heritage. I won't mention everybody because there's actually lots of different organisations, and of course, we couldn't do this without the support of the third sector organisations as well. And there's so much happening in grassroots to support the language that what we do is very much drawn on uh, expertise from people um, all through the Manx language community, the wider community. So why we need to work together, as I say, in, in, a, in a group is basically to make sure that we're doing things right um, and to bring through things forward. And, and uh, yeah, if you look at different countries, they'll have these boards as well, sort of similar.
0: We've got the strategy. It's five-year, possibly 10-year um, strategy. What are the th- two things that you would think are going to be the biggest successes that we could uh, potentially achieve over the 10 years of the strategy?
9: So over the 10-year strategy, one of the biggest targets that Jeeban have as a collective is to grow the number of speakers to 5,000 by the year 2032. To do that, we have to have measurable targets that are achievable. They can't be woolly. They have to be measurable and achievable. And we've worked really hard as a team to try and make that happen. So we've looked and seen, you know, have we got enough for the early years? Have we got enough for? The primary school age and secondary school age and then adults you know and people who've left school gone through Manx medium education and keeping those people engaged as young adults right through to people starting to learn in later life as well so it's making sure that there's something for everybody along the way and that um, there's a real road map that you can take Manx on and I think that's very very important. It would be very difficult to pick out one of the aims that we've got because there's so many and all of the the different organisations have proffered and put in there different ones that they think they can achieve as organisations that are measurable. But if anybody would like to have a look, they can have a look at the strategy document and you can go to Learn Manx website, which is www.learnmanx.com forward slash jeebin, J-E-E-B-I-N, and you can find the strategy document there and have a good peruse.
0: And actually, it's been sort of glossed over as we've been talking about... The strategy at this launch, uh, 5,000 Manx speakers by 2032. We've only got 2,223, according to the last census, which is a 25% increase on the census before that. Um, So effectively, it is a very ambitious target. We're talking about doubling the number of uh, Manx speakers, which is fantastic uh, if we could achieve that.
9: Absolutely. And I think it is a common goal that was put forward for this, for 5,000 speakers by 2032. But I think if you don't aim big, then, you know, I think it's a really good thing to aim and shoot for the stars, to use that slightly cheesy phrase. But, you know, um, it is important to have ambitions and to show people we're serious about trying to achieve these things you know and that increase in the last 10 years from the last census is fantastic and actually it's worth celebrating that and saying well look the trajectory is definitely upwards for Manx language speakers and just that change in the last 10 years in me looking around and seeing what's been happening it's fantastic the engagement and just how many people are seeing Manx as being very relevant and very worthy and something to get involved with. That's there's been a massive change even just in the last ten years.
0: Rob Tia is the Manx language officer for the Department of Education and Chrissy Callahan, the chair of Gun, the organisation which pulled the strategy together. I asked Chrissy what's actually in the strategy?
10: I mean, the obvious one is that the, the aim to grow the language, to to increase the number of speakers, that's a big ask. It's a big target to grow to 5,000 speakers by 2032. But actually, if you don't have aspirational targets, you're always going to aim for just good enough. So let's aim high. Let's, you know, see what we can achieve over the next few years. And and what the strategy aims to do is to break down actions in order to to try and achieve that, um, working across um, different organisations, you know, Munjavega starting at the very early years through the work of Poth and Cloy, through the work of the nurseries, so that we're engaging and involving parents. And I know that's a huge focus for for Munjavega moving forward. You know, how do we get parents involved in supporting their children in learning the language? Thinking about school, a huge focus is um, on how do we grow and develop teachers? Because actually, if you haven't got the teachers to grow and develop the language, how are you going to move that forward? So it's very much about encouraging teachers to want to teach through the language, helping them to upskill. And this is where Rob, Rob's expertise and his team come in, um, so that we have got more teachers who are able to help us grow that aspiration to, to um, increase the educational aspects of learning Manx. Um, it then looks at resourcing across organisations. You know, we've got m n h involved, um, involved, and that's really important. Um, again, you know, looking at our culture and heritage. And then it's thinking about that social use of manx um, in the wider community. You know, manx isn't something you just do on a Tuesday night at the class you go to. Actually, how are we using manx in our everyday lives? And certainly as someone, well, I've been back a while now, back home, but someone coming back to manx and, and learning manx, um, I try and use it when I'm out, out and about with those people I know are speaking it just to practice it in my everyday life. Because I think the more we do that, the more we normalise the language and the more it becomes something that, that we all do naturally. So that's very much what the strategy focuses on, bringing all of those aspects together, which will hopefully then aim to meet that target of growing 5,000 speakers for
0: 2032. And and Rob, I mean, you you're... Head of the the Manx language team uh, in the Department of Education, uh, particularly in relation to the um, teaching Manx in the schools, uh, Manx as a subject. Um, what? How, how big an, an enterprise is that?
11: Well, I mean, I just know that uh, we have we're very very busy trying to produce resources and getting all the lessons and, and and to to because we teach over well over two thousand pupils so. Being able to do that is a big ask. But then we look at the work, the fantastic work that MNH are doing, some of the good things up at Manx Radio, um, fantastic things at Culture Vannon, um, um, yep. the Bunskull, of course, mm-hmm. which is the hub of it all. Um, and then all of the other groups around the island, um, you know, the, the voluntary sector. So it's a huge joint effort, really. Um, so it's very exciting, you know, as I, I, I remember when it was a very, when, when the government weren't interested, when the schools weren't interested when I was at school. And so we've come a long way.
0: And it has moved substantially, hasn't it? I mean, when the the revival, uh, for want of a better word, started probably in the 60s and 70s mm. um, and then really took a, a, a big drive forward in the early 90s. Um, the, there was very little support from governments, uh, but things have changed quite a lot now.
10: Yes, and I think signing up to part three of the the European Charter for Regional and Minority Languages has been huge in terms of the government 's commitment to to our language, so you know in order to to apply for that, we had to look at where Manx was being developed and used across the island in all aspects of government, in all aspects of education, so it was a big undertaking, but we were absolutely delighted when we were accepted and and we are now signed up to part three of the Charter. So I think that reflects the commitment from the government to to the language.
0: And what does part three? I mean, what does that mean? Uh, you know, because for most people, they won't even know what the charter is. Um, so what? 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 Um, and and also, I suppose they'll be thinking, didn't didn't. The UK leave Europe, so what's that got to do with us? So, uh, could you tell us a bit more yeah, about
10: it? It's very much about protecting the languages, protecting regional and minority languages across Europe. Um, so, by signing up to that, you're acknowledging the importance of the language within your own your own community, but you're also then signing up to something that supports that development across. Across the whole of Europe, so in a sense, it's making you think carefully about which aspects or which aspects of the language that that you are able to protect and develop, um, and to make sure that you're monitoring and, and ensuring that you grow that space. So in a sense, it breaks it down into different aspects of the language broadcasting for example which you you know you work in um is one one part of that it looks at education as another part it looks at legal as another part of that we now know that we have um a percentage of our laws which are translated into manx um each year which is a wonderful thing to do we now know when we you know you're listening into to Timwald that we have um quite a few members who who will use um manx on the floor of Timwald so there are little things like that, that that we need to preserve, but we also need to develop. And what Part Three does is makes you think as a as a government, as an island, about how you're doing that, how you're going about it.
0: And and we have a, a treaty that government has signed up to. What we don't have is any protection for the language in terms of any legislation. So, for example, uh, you know, the Discrimination Act. Um, protects all kinds of different minority interests and and, and groups. Um, But actually, if you're a Manx speaker, uh, you don't really have too many rights at the moment.
11: No, that's true, and and neither do our place names. And and, uh, it's a bit of a worry um, because, you know, uh, nobody else is going to look after our language for us. We have to. So it would be nice to see a bit of protection. I just think, you know, when, when we're looking about the future, um, we have to think back about the, the hard work and the sacrifices of the people who'd had no support we must never lose sight of that because, um, we're, we're in a good position now. Um, but it rests like the bedrock of that work was done, um, very much by people. I'm thinking like Leslie Quirk and Freddie Cal and, uh, Johnny Crellon, um, and and we mustn't forget them um and you know we've got a great platform now to really move on
0: um, of course the the pro- probably the most tragic uh thing that there is about the manx language is that uh, um interview i think that Doug Farragher did with the BBC Doug Farragher who had spent his whole yeah. life compiling a dictionary which is yeah. fundamental for the the and whole writing, future I mean, and and of course court. And, and Doug was effectively saying, um, mm. I, it, you know, I wasted me time. You know, he p- produced the dictionary, yeah, I think I it was in 1979. Mm. And then 1984 or 5, I think he was, he was saying, it's, it's not worked. Mm. It's a waste of time and it's going nowhere.
11: And yet now. Yeah, well, now, um, I mean, you know, I think for people who don't speak manx they think, well, I never hear it. I never see it. But if you hang around with me for a day. You'll find wherever I go in the island, there are speakers, and uh, and they all want to use it, and um, it's it's phenomenal. And you know, it just wasn't the case thirty years ago.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And and Chrissy, I mean, you're you're a learner. Um, You you also uh, uh, give guidance to the Bunscoill Gilgax, and obviously you've got this role as as, uh, chair. Of the uh, of, of chiban so uh, you you you're quite an active player in all this
10: I hope so, you know, and I think for me um you know certainly in in terms of supporting both Busco Gilgak it's about looking at good quality teaching and learning outcomes, and you know that 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 transcends really any language it, learning in a language is learning in a language, and we know that the outcomes for bilingual speakers and the cognitive benefits are huge um for youngsters um who who learn a language. What's been amazing, I mean, walking in here today into in QE2 was I ended up having a, a, a multilingual conversation with a, a group of young people who were learning Manx with student um, here, with Rob here. They were then, one youngster spoke in, in French about a, the cup of tea we were having. And then she said, and I said, oh, in French, do you understand? You, know, you speak a bit of French. And she said, well, actually, I speak a little bit of Italian, too. And I went, oh, I learn, you know, I, that's my language. I can speak much more fluently. And she then said, "Well, I learn it through Manx with with um, Meinster Rogers." So, you know, language is huge, and, and once you start learning one language, it leads leads to another. So, I just think that the the benefits to any youngster and any adult learning a language is immense. And I'm certainly loving going back and 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 learning Manx again. And you know, Rob will challenge me in terms of me emailing, and I'm having to respond in Manx. Jonathan as will do the same, and from Arbury and and. It, and then I have my buddy who is Jonathan, who I who I speak Manx to. So, you know, there's a lot out there if you want to to learn Manx, and I just love the whole challenge for me again learning properly another, another language.
0: And in terms yeah. of the the cognitive benefits of mm-hmm. of being bilingual, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it all sounds terribly uh, um, uh, academic textbook, doesn't it? But but the reality of it is. First of all, people who are bilingual at an early age tend to be very good at learning and picking up other languages. The thing that perhaps surprises uh, many people is that uh, they're also better at English because they, they they have more access to more ideas and therefore are able to do more with their English. Um, but one of the I mean the great thing was uh, that uh, seminar that uh, the department allowed us into with the British Irish Council where they were talking about things like conflict resolution and uh, uh, being able to understand two sides of an argument things like this this is it's it's big stuff isn't it
10: it is big stuff and we were lucky enough you know as part of organizing that that webinar for the British Irish Council with the Welsh government and we were lucky enough to have Professor Antonella Soracci, who is part of the University of Edinburgh, who um, gave a wonderful keynote on the benefits of bilingualism. And um, what she was talking about is exactly what you were saying, that there are so many more benefits than just being a good linguist and being able to access other languages. Actually, we know from so much of the research that the benefits of bilingualism will impact generic outcomes for young people in terms of their their achievement and attainment later on in life so you know it's it it is immense in terms of what you can you can get from learning another language and that's why you know why not make that manx you know it's our language we should be be preserving and developing that you know within schools and the outcomes for young people learning manx are very good so you know that's that's proof in the pudding really
0: so final comment then putting you both on the spot um 5000 manx speakers by 2032 is it going to happen
11: if you'd have said to me there'd be 2000 speakers uh 30 years ago I uh, I wouldn't have believed it so I you never know
10: and I think for me I would like to see see it happen it's an aspirational target I think the joined up working is the way to achieve that. So I think by having a strategy, by mo- work, moving together rather than working separately, we're more likely to be able to achieve that.
7: Yeah, well, it, it kind of having Manx on the island kind of uh, differentiates us from the rest
5: of the UK and reviving the, the whole culture of the island, basically. as Kinley. Yeah, uh, Manx is part of our identity, and I think if we forget that, then that's a big chunk of our culture gone. Gil-kaboo.
0: Is the strategy on the right track or is Manx a thing of the past best left to history? Please get in touch with philgorn at manxradio.com and let me know your thoughts and views. And don't forget, the podcast is available from Manx Radio's website. But for now, I'm Phil Gorn, Goromaios and Geisha Grum. Thanks for listening.